Hi, this is Jensen Button. You're listening to Gary Jackson on Gardening. Oh, God, I'm in the wrong podcast. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, which has been performance capped, by the way, by the introduction of intake restrictor diameter on my nostrils. Can you hear that? I'm only using 50% of the available area in my nostrils, so I apologise for the lack of scramjet quality to my voice. I thought you were going to say we we were performance limited by the fact that we're not very good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that, yeah. I'm glad there's uh, Uh, something else going on. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of Zog. Hello. And Richard. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, I think we probably are performance restricted. However, if I get within one second of you in certain parts of the show, (laughs) I am able to open my mouth wider than normal. Uh, Now, yes, which brings me to this opening gambit for today's programme. Right, I remember in the last episode saying, I love DRS, I think we should have had it years ago, and in combination with the new tyres, it's going to deliver great racing. And you two poo-pooed it. Hang on a second. Right. Did I put, did, did, yes, no. you did. Didn't you, I say you, I was going to get You, you complained say... about it being artificial overtaking. Yes. Yeah, yeah which I maintain. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. However, but I'm going to wait, but I want yeah. to say it works out. My, my attitude, well, okay, maybe I've changed my mind since the last show. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I can't quite remember, but my, my position now is, and always has been. <laughs> very clear. Very clear. Very clear. <laughs> my position is, if I can just remind myself, I just care about whether it works or not, whether it improves the racing or not. On principle, yeah, it's ghastly. It's an unnecessary extra. It's not any kind of technology that has any relevance to road cars. There are all kinds of things wrong yes, with it from a curious point of view, but if it improves the racing, then I'm happy with it. Yes, but it does have relevance to road cars, and this was no, the thing doesn't. I never no, scratched out in no, the it, it does. Why? Will you let me explain? Take BMW's efficient dynamics, right? Yeah. They are changing the aerodynamics in the bonnet of the car, over and below certain speeds, as are Ford now with a focus, to improve efficiency. Yeah. No, okay. no, 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 before no, you go any doing further, that before you on go any their further. own, using their own wind tunnels and yeah. their own knowledge of road car aerodynamics, they are not in any single way drawing upon a stupid louvre lap blind on the back of a bloody racing car. Well, it's really crude and it's a really inelegant solution. However, and I agree with Zog on this, if it's improving the racing, then yeah. I'm happy to live with it. There yeah. we go. Time being. There and what but, racing we enjoyed, eh? Yes. Oh, well, I'm glad we smoothed over the... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Before that descended into raw, ugly violence. <laughs> Again. So we've had cars coming up behind other Formula One cars and stepping out of the slipstream and overtaking them. Now, if it requires a bit of jiggery-pokery from the FIA to make that happen by opening up the slot gap in the movable rear wing that is now allowed in Formula One cars, and this is my original point, I think it should also have movable aerodynamics in Formula One. I know it's limited by the FIA, well, but it should be encouraged in any okay, way. Okay, but to get back to this purest point of view that we're referring to, if you're going to have movable aerodynamics, then you should be able to use them all the time. You shouldn't be restricted in where you can use yeah, them. Where yeah, yeah, I and, and that's why it is a bit of a Mickey Mouse fix. But there is this problem that because of the way the aerodynamics are working, we've known for a long time that overtaking is harder than it should be. And so if they're coming up with this fix to get things back into line, well, you know, we'll live with that. My only reservation with the way that things are working out at the moment is, and I don't want to sort of sound too negative about this, because that last race was spectacular. Loved it. We all want to see a lot more of that this season. Mm. 
But my only slight reservation, though, was that a lot of the moves that happened and a lot of the overtaking moves, you could see coming a little bit too soon. You pretty much knew... <laughs> well, it's not a soap opera. Or a movie. You go, oh, yeah. I knew he was the killer from about 15 minutes in. No, but, no, but, 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 but doesn't that but, make it I, better in a way? Because you're going, well, I think this is coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's always he's stick, com- though. And no, sometimes you'd see him okay, go for yeah, it. True, yeah. And I enjoyed that bit. I was like, well, he's definitely going to have a go here. Oh, he's within. Yeah, yeah, he's close. He's close. He's going to. I'm trying to think of specific examples. But here's the thing I found that race in China last Sunday so overwhelming and exciting that I started thinking, oh, God. The FIA are going to have to legislate against too many things happening at once on the track because it's knackering the TV coverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, true, we missed a lot of stuff. We're annulling the results of the last race because it was too exciting. Too exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what Formula One's about. Uh, gentlemen of the FIA, please, please. Uh, I agree with you, this is crazy. There are so many things happening in the Formula One, it is impossible for the TV audience to enjoy all the advertising on the cars and circuits. But do not worry, we have come up with a technical plan to correct this. Firstly, low degradation of grooved tires. Secondly, refueling is not permitted again. Thirdly, no DIS and the reintroduction of movable front wings. This is all very well and good, but how can you be certain that the racing will be as dull and predictable as it was ten years ago? I'm glad you've asked me that, and I can answer that very simply. We have asked Michael Schumacher if from now on he would mind not being, how you say, rubbish. I love the expression that's used to describe the rapid fall-off of the performance of the Pirelli tyres on F1 cars at the moment. They talk about going over the... The cliff. The cliff. Hi, fellas, let's get on a bus and go to Greece. (laughs) Not that sort of cliff, I hope. I think that would be very entertaining if they had Cliff Richard, Cliff Mitchellmore, any cliff... Cliff from Cheers. Montgomery Cliff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a silent T. The Clifton Suspension Bridge. That would do, yeah. But most Oh, no, they've gone off the Clifton Suspension Bridge. No, that would be awful. That would be great. Carnage. Spectacular. Great. It wouldn't be great. Well, no, they could use the DRS to trim the vehicle as it plummets. As it plummets towards the the gorge. Nose up, and it might just land and bottom out. That would be good. Sorry. You you can try that. I'll be standing on the cliff edge watching. Um, (laughs) It's about managing your tyres as much as overtaking thanks to artificial FIA. The truth of why Lewis Hamilton was able to hunt down Vettel and take him in the last, was it six laps? Yeah. Was that he did that cool thing in qualifying of sitting there and saying, I'm going to save one set of tyres instead of going out. So he had one extra set of tyres for the race. I mentioned this before, but McLaren putting a race weekend together, better than any other team. Mm. They think about that. You always look at first practice times at any Grand Prix, and McLaren they go out there, they usually say they're okay but, you know, it'll be Force India or Ferrari at the top of the timing sheets, and 
McLaren's saying, well, we're running our weekend programme. They don't allow themselves to get carried away. They keep their powder dry. They're so professional. They're yeah. so slick. They're so just together. Like us, They're just really? the most incredible operation. I mean, to now, repair I'm, that I'm car, my, my, my respect and admiration yes. for McLaren just constantly... Well, they, they, they fixed the flooded engine problem on Hamilton's car using kitchen roll. Yeah, that was lovely. I found quite yeah. endearing. And what, as I watched that, we, we I don't know if you saw this on the coverage... But it was wonderful. Two people lifted the rear body cover off. Someone got in there and was mopping up the stray fuel that had been allowed to squirt out of this tube. And as they threw the kitchen towel onto the floor covered in fuel, bang, two of the guys were in there. With a tray to thing. To, yeah. Yeah. So, so the thing that I noticed, maybe this is what you're going to refer to, was the fact that as they were unrolling the kitchen roll, one guy is holding this kitchen roll yeah, fully extended, whilst the other guy is... Well, like they practised even well, this well, awful yeah, worst-case scenario yeah. using... What's that one that Stephen Fry used to advertise with? Thirst pockets. <laughs> but they, they were just doing that. It was brilliant. It did actually look to me like extra-large kitchen roll, which you don't see so much. Um, <laughs> Industrial, I, th- I think it's not going to be an industrial equivalent, yeah. which if you need to mop up spills around a garage. It reminded me of something you said, Richard, when you were in the Renault garage last year at the British Grand Prix, yes, was it? Yeah, yeah, I spent qualifying there. About yeah. this superbly organised, professional, integrated machine that just is able to do anything at the drop of a hat, you know, almost NASA-esque. Yeah, we can fix that problem. And it was another example of that sort of thing. We've got no idea of how brilliantly mapped out F1 teams are, unless you're HRT, of course. Or unless you're Jensen oh. Button on your way into the pits. And oh, man, life. Well, how embarrassing. That was, that, having said what an extraordinarily slick professional operation they are, that wasn't... That was uh, amazing, but it's sort of <laughs> things like that, actually, that are great. I mean, obviously, it's great for me. It was funny, I, and it was... Uh, from a website taking the mickey. It's happened things, before. But also... It has happened before. It happened last year, didn't it? With um, I think a few years ago, Fizzy did it in that sort of transition. Oh, in practice, yeah. That, oh, but Between that was, Jordan and, and but uh, Renault, or the other way. A Toro Rosso going to the Red Bull garage last year, or am I imagining that? And it was sort of so excused a little more by, can... by the colours yeah. being very similar. Yeah. But the McLaren Quite one possibly. was just pure. He said he was <laughs> looking down. But the thing is. And, and to his credit, in a way that I can't imagine Alonso doing or even Hamilton doing, perhaps, because they take themselves quite seriously, they're racing quite seriously, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that Button has gone, yeah, all right, I was looking down, I screwed up. He was on Twitter this week <laughs> saying that they arrived in Tokyo. on his way into the pits. And his, yeah. girl, and his <laughs> girlfriend's giving him parking Giving him parking lessons, lessons yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in Tokyo. And you think, all right, fair enough. The lad's taking it on the chin, or at least his manager's told him to take it on the chin. But either way, you know, I think he's actually been yeah. quite magnanimous about it and just going, look, I made a really embarrassing error here. It was the fact that the Red Bull mechanics were going, go on, Because <laughs> almost, there was a point where when I first saw it, I went, has he done that deliberately to like mess with their minds because they're expecting Vettel? Uh, well, but it's clearly cu- not because it was it curious, really no, did him it was, over I, I just, Vettel. Yeah. Curious you should say that though because in the after show coverage on the BBC, Jake Humphrey had a word with one of the Red Bull crew, some sort of yeah. Larry Cornishman, I believe. And my <laughs> mate Tim Palmy Tazza tweeted about this. He said, "Look, BBC, next time you want to get a quote from Red Bull, don't go to some potentially libelous Cornish engineer." on the team the Corns the Cornish they're famously the most libelous county in Britain because they're down all the way in the corner and they just think well they would be bothered to come down here and sue us don't know the third of them up there don't need to worry about it that's what they say but I thought it was a superb moment in television where the guy from Red Bull alleged that Button 
had done this deliberately yeah. to either slow them up or mess with their minds. But that's the thing. Yeah. Then, Let's I, hope that he was, was joking. Did, I, afterwards, yeah. Coulthard said to me, like, oh, I've worked for them, and I think he was joking. Was he joking? I don't know. He was, it was all, oh, dear. A notable event in an interesting and eventful race. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, right up and down reasons. the board. It wasn't just that wonderful result at the end, but you had... Weber driving from 18th on the grid? Yeah, what a, oh, what a performance yeah. that was. It was such a shame to see him losing out in qualifying at that, but he really rose to the challenge, and yeah, it had been a few laps longer. That would have been amazing <laughs> if he'd overtaken Vettel as well, because, you know, there's oh, still this sort of sense that, that there is a number one and a number two driver in that team. Mm. It's good for Weber psychologically, surely, because yeah. it started off, and he was actually being overtaken in the first quarter of the race. I mean, yeah, it looked he was, struggling, he was struggling quite badly. But the, it's, not, you know, ever, everyone's thinking, oh, a driver of that calibre in a car that, that should be that good. Mm. He's going to carve through the field in one of those ways that people do when they have a great car and they can be a great driver. Mm. And then it didn't happen. It's like, oh, no, he's just been overtaken by Taco Inui. Usually. Usually. Even though he's no yeah, longer He's been overtaken by Luca Badoa, who's <laughs> actually still running in last year's race. And then from nowhere. Because that's the thing. Yeah. Because of what we were talking about before, too many things happening in one race for the television to possibly be able to keep up with it. And can I just say as well, if you're, if you're watching in the UK, what a brilliant job Martin Brundle and David Coulthard are doing in yeah. the commentary. Yeah. yeah, I thought they were better this time than before. I'm still not 100% convinced they were a little bit too similar in what they do is really my only reservation. I'd almost like there to be a bit more of the traditional one commentator who's kind of really leading the commentary mm. and then the more informed driver perspective to but, get some more insight. But, but having said that, I do think they're doing a great job. What surprised me about Brundle is that he brings that sort of requisite energy to it as the lead commentator. Exactly, he's which allowed I didn't to do that think now. he was able to do because yeah. we'd never seen it from yeah. him because he had to fulfil the sort of laconic James Hunt role of just going, mm. well, that's not quite right, Jonathan. Now he gets excited. But he's able to get excited. And, uh, mm. To me, he's got it pitch perfect. Certainly in the Chinese Grand Prix, he got it pitch perfect. And what Coulthard provides is more recent experience. Because there was always this danger that, as a pundit, Brundle's direct experience of Formula One was dating by the minute because, of course, he hadn't competed for however many years. And that he could only start to try and extrapolate from his own experiences Mm. what was going on. Of course, some things are universal, but at the same time, some of the technical aspects of the car have moved on. And Coulthard just brings that up to date. And to me, I know what you mean, but I don't think that our big concern, I think, probably was that you have got two ex-drivers, you've got no one who is Mm. just the professional commentator sort of effectively run the commentary box. But I think Brundle's doing a terrific job. The interesting thing is, I think, that Brundle is probably more technically knowledgeable than Coulthard. Coulthard will talk about his experiences as a driver and what you're experiencing. He doesn't get bogged down in the technicalities of it. Brundle knows more about that. And I know Coulthard's not that technical because I interviewed him in his first couple of years with McLaren and I asked him a couple of fairly straightforward things about the car. He had no idea. A real quite basic. But there's actually something about Brundle that I realise that he does particularly well. And it was in comparison with Anthony Davison, who I don't know how much you've heard him on Radio 5, but I think he, yeah, he, he, it, yeah. he, you know, he's nowhere near as fluent a contributor, if you like, as And as, not as tall Bumble. enough for TV. <laughs> Barely tall enough for radio. Yeah, he's not hard to hear him on Radio 5. If it was Radio 6, he wouldn't reach. He certainly could have put on with Jake Humphrey, but, but, but he's um, <laughs> no, but, but, like but, a pretend ventriloquism act. <laughs> 
But he does do some really good stuff on Radio 5. He comes up with some particularly good insights, I think. And the one example that he came up with the other day was to do with the psychological side of driving and how kind of insecure drivers are and how much they yeah. need reinforcement, how much they need the results to kind of yeah, convince yeah, them yeah. that they can do it. Yeah. Well, actually, which goes back to what I was just saying about Weber. That, I mean, yeah. He seems like one of the more robust drivers because he's got maturity on his side. Yeah, yeah. But succeeding makes you feel like you're actually any good. And I think that even someone like Weber, who's been doing it for years... To so be able to do the... that, carve through the field and get on the bloody podium after an yeah. awful qualifying session, he must be going, I'm going to the next race knowing that I am bloody brilliant at this and yeah. I'm going to give it a really good crack. It might have been Weber that he was referring to in that mm. context, but, yeah, but he was talking about how drivers need that kind of, sort of psychological reinforcement, how fragile they can be in, in a sense, how insecure they can be. But it sort of reminded me that somehow Brundle has this great ability to... To just pull out of the bag a little bit of experience, a bit of technical detail, a little factoid from his driving and paddock experience, and put it out there as a little soundbite in a very condensed form, in a way that Coulthard and Davison, for all their strengths and more recent experience, just can't quite do. He's a great he's a really, he's a really mm. good broadcaster. Yeah. He's yeah. Really and if you're an F1 geek as well, I think when he suddenly pulls something out from his early career even, mm. he'll just ref something, he'll go, Oh, God, yeah, he drove for them. And he'll tell you something about 80s F1. If you care about the sport, you'll just kind of get off on that as an interesting fact in its own right. Mm. It sort of reminds me of when I was once going through a car wash with Gareth and he told me about interviewing AHA. And I enjoyed that enormously. I've never forgotten it. Because I like AHA and I like the 80s. Yeah. Hello, my lovers. Uh, welcome. It's Martin Brundle here from the Grand Prix of China. Big up Norfolk Massive. Uh, now, I enjoyed you in the commentary box. As you, oh, get out, you pest. You're covered in mud. Oh. All right. I enjoyed you in the commentary box here by um, uh, Martin Harkett from AHAR. Uh, Martin? I know. I have no idea what I'm actually doing here. This has got to be an error. I dread to see if you could be feeling in for me at the Aha concert in Oslo. Um, hello, Oslo. Uh, I'm, I'm David Coulthard. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. Okay. Um, oh, that's what. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to... Uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm going to get this guitar. Ow! Oh, 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 oh. I'm sorry, I'm not very technical at all. Gareth Jones on speed. Before you arrive this evening, Richard. Because you were late. Sorry. Please yes. don't do it again, otherwise there'll be penalties. <laughs> Zog and I were talking about plans for the year. Oh, yeah, we've got Goodwood. Yeah, we've got oh, Le Mans. We've got to sort that out. Yeah, we've got the car. Oh, mm. Who are we going to blag it from? Yeah, British Grand Prix. Oh, who are we going to blag that from? So it, it's clear to me that we're. we're <laughs> Heaven forfend, we should pay for anything this oh, summer. <laughs> which I paid for something once, darling. I wouldn't want to do <laughs> it again. again. Yeah. But it, it strikes me that we are entering the season of being outdoors with cars this year and you've already yeah. started it haven't you, you went well, as far a- as I'm concerned yeah the season started in as much as it is a season and the season start has been the Pride of Longbridge Festival for me which happened last weekend 
Where? This, I mean, uh, well, it's in Longbridge in South Wales. The gist is that it's... Uh, Echo! Whoa! No, excuse whoa. me. It's, so it's, it's an allergy it's, to talking about South Birmingham. <laughs> it was the rust Fair particles. Enough. Yeah, it's a bit rust. Well, well, that, that BMC 1800. I, I, amongst some people I know, it is officially called the Pride of Longbridge Festival or something, but it is unofficially known as the Festival of Rust or just Rustival. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I, I like, I like um, Rustival. So um, why did you go? Were you invited? You got friends there? No, it's, well, it's the thing. I mean, pervert, uh, talking, I am a filthy pervert when mm. it comes to brown BL tap from the 70s. What happens is there's a big park opposite the Longbridge car factory, and they just make an arrangement with the council that they can fill it with cars. There's just an area of this vast park that people come in. And originally it was for any car that was made at the Longbridge factory, and they'd kind of allow in, like, an MGB or something because the engine was made at Longbridge. Hello? <laughs> um, and now they've really opened it up, and if you've got a British-made car, then... That still runs. Knock you yourself out. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's just an achievement in itself, and if yeah. it can drive across what might be vaguely damp grass without dissolving, then, whoa, knock well, yourself out. But yeah. could you turn up in a Innocenti Mini, for instance? Oh, they'd bloody love that. OK, right. Of course, yeah, a, because yeah, it has yeah, a very, yeah. very stout and clear connection with the, the actually just Brand. restarted factory yeah. across the road. It was quite nice mm. that in the week in which the first MG6 hatchback started coming off yeah, the yeah. production line at Longbridge, or the stuff the suspension in Clue the Badges Online, however you'd like to regard it, <laughs> was the week in which all of these great cars from that once massive factory's past gathered. But they're also, you know, not going to be so pedantic as to not allow in, say, like uh, Maestros and Montegos that were built in Cowley in Oxford is now the mini factory. And But they it's probably would of, draw the line. The family. It's yeah, all, exactly. Yeah. But they probably would draw the line at allowing in a BMW Mini built right. in the Cowley factory because, you know, really, okay. I mean, that's not the, you know, yeah. sort of the link it's with the It's not a real Mini. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd be interested to see what happened. I left my... Jaguar XJR outside on the road where people were parking sort of unconnected cars hmm. and then someone said to me oh no on the organisers plan they had set aside a Jaguar area and there was one bloke in like a sort of 90s XJ <laughs> and, and I thought like some companies so. yeah exactly but the thing was though apparently I didn't even know there was an organisers plan even though my mate Big John was one of the organisers your mate Big John you've heard my mate Big John yeah, yeah. Oh, Big John's a Hello, legend Big John. yeah oh, Big John is a remarkable man and a man who devotes his life to old British cars uh, I was actually parking my Jag miles down the road because it was packed and the road outside was packed with cars and, yeah, yeah, yeah so I'd, I'd park the Jag miles down the road and then John drove past in his MG and went jump in I'll give you a ride to the site and he was driving actually into exhibit but and here eventually huzzah is my point about why this is a brilliant day out first of all it was the third time I've been third year in a row it was the biggest turnouts I've ever seen there were hundreds of cars of all sorts and the joy is although there's a plan apparently that says you know oh, we'll have you know all the metros here and all the original minis here and stuff like that actually the truth is it's a bit of a glorious shambles so you'll be walking down a row of cars somehow appropriate to the yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a metaphor for the British car yeah industry. but in a wonderful wonderful way because you're walking down you're going oh look there's a, like a 1959 Morris Mini mm. how great and there's another one next to it and then there's a sort of a 60s Mini and there's a proper Mini Cooper but then boom right next to it there'll be a Maxi and then or you'll be going oh look there's a line of Austin 1100s but then wallop right next to them a 1983 Roa Vitesse V8 yes. so the, the randomness you never know what you're going to get next mm. and it's all embracing there's some occasional sort of you know separate headlights 
hold on the outside kind of cars, <laughs> but then right up to clown cars as they were. Well, yes, <laughs> didn't see any doors falling off, but I did see Square one where wheels. up to seventeen blokes got out improbably. <laughs> but then further up the field, you'll have a bunch of young lads who've got MG ZRs or ZSs, mm. and some of them have got the full-out sort of gullwing doors and stuff put on them. Lovely. But they're happily sort of hanging out on this sunny day Aww. in this park in Birmingham with some old buffer with a beard who's got an MG Roadster that he's oh, polishing nice. the chrome trim kind on. A gathering of the tribes. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah. I may not be selling it to you, because frankly, if you don't care about old British tack, you're just thinking, that sounds like hell on earth. But if you are even vaguely interested in that sort of thing, and in cars generally, it is a wonderful and actually fantastically unsnobbish sort of car show, because everybody's just there to enjoy stuff. Mm. What was your yeah, favourite of all the cars there? Something oh, that moved man. you that you hadn't uh, well, seen before? Well, obviously, as I mentioned, Rover Vitesse, original Rover Vitesse. And God, that's still a good-looking car. Yeah. And yeah. still makes a good noise. And it's sort of most modern ancestor, the MG ZTV8, which I still yeah. have little wobbles over, and I almost bought one of those yeah, before I, I bought my Jaguar. Yeah. And oh, they had cool. a quite a few of those there, and some absolutely pucker original. Some people put superchargers on, big noisy pipes <sighs> on them, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, there's a real scene around those cars, mainly because the people had to band together, correct all the bits that the factory never bothered to develop <laughs> properly. But yeah. it's nice that they do that. And then you still see an original, proper original Mini, like an early 60s one. And it's such a neat, simple design because yeah. it's actually form through function. Yeah, it's a very pure thing. It's really. Yeah. So you forget how simple, because you don't see them around so much anymore, mm. that with the small lights on the back and everything, they are really I mean, sweet I, little cars. One little memory that I have of the Mini this is from driving in family friends' cars as a small kid. I seem to remember that the door handles on the inside mm-hmm. were just like a strip a of cord. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, was, plasticised yeah. string yeah. almost, or plasticised... Because uh, um, they, they didn't want, you know, in a yeah. modern car, the, the door is actually, you know, it's a hollow casing because it's got mm. all the gubbins in it. And in those original minis, it wasn't. They didn't want anything within the door because they wanted it Maximize to have massive door bins yeah. that you could get. Mm. Well, supposedly, I think Alakis Agonis wanted to be able to get a large bottle of gin in That's there so right. he could carry it back from the well, shop. Remember I, I like that kind <laughs> of thing. Exactly, it's good, yeah. that, isn't because it? Because actually, I just had a rather large martini last night and I ran out of gin. So Listen, uh, while we're on the BL trip thing here, you know, there's a new mini proposed. They're talking about this new smaller mini, yes. which has been dubbed yeah. the Rocket Man. Yeah, they showed that concept off. Stupid yeah. name. Yes. Great little proper car this is a proper mini in my opinion i think the name for that car if and when they do manufacture it already exists in the mini cachet of names mm-hmm. it's a mini minor isn't it that's what interesting they call it. i thought you were okay. going to say macro mini but macro i like that yeah. mini minor would do it and the countryman should have been the mini maxi well I think. there's a great story about that because i think the maxi name in this country at least is forever associated with that rather clever but unfortunate looking well the maxi, the maxi. um and when oh, they were doing 50 hl person yeah oh well you should have been at the pride of longbridge festival Lovely. <laughs> there were loads of them but when they did the design shootout for what we now know as the new mini when bmw still owned rover the rover style had come up with those two cars that became the spiritual concepts. I don't remember those. They were quite yes. neat. Rear mm-hmm. engine. Yes. Mad engineering would have cost too much to do and blah de blah. But yes. there was a little one. Yeah. Mm. 
And then they called were the saying, Spirit, was it? They were called spiritual when they were shown as concepts, yeah. yeah. And then there was the larger one, the five door, which had longer wheelbase and looked slightly different. And apparently someone from BMW went, well, this smaller one is the Mini, so this larger one should be the Mexi. And all the Rover people had to sort of giggle politely into their ties and then go, um, Klaus, there's a reason why we can't do that. Don't let me explain. <laughs> but yes, uh, where were we? Rocketman concept. <laughs> yeah, should call the Mini Minor. Yeah. Listen, we've got to wrap this now because we've talked about this too long. Know, why do people there? think we'd go on about BL too much on this show? I think we've barely mentioned <laughs> It at all today. I, I, have, I have a question though, Richard. Go on. This event is called Pride of Longbridge. Yes. Perhaps the only gay Austin Rover crossover Mardi well, Gras car show event. Know, the, the word in Pride Britain. is not You're inexorably associated with gay pride. <laughs> Otherwise, would you what you'd be wandering around going, Lions, they're all gay! How weird! <laughs> why, why, how do they ever have babies? They adopt from where? They're all gay! It's not that... You sound is... crazy like Clarkson when you say that. I thought sound like John Bentley. <laughs> is it? I don't know! Welcome to the Gadget Show! Yes, good. But it's funny you mention that because people were going round the Pride of Longbridge in a heterosexual manner. <laughs> yeah, smoking a pipe flat Yeah, cap. exactly. Well, that's the weird thing. It really is a bit like that in places. Yeah. And you think that if you went up to someone and went, so, it's brilliant. All you gay guys are getting together. They'd bro- <laughs> 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 Pipe flying, flying everywhere. <laughs> copy of the Telegraph on the floor. But people were going around the Pride of Longbridge putting flyers under windscreen wipers of the cars that were just parked there because there's sort of Rover 75 Owners Club spotting a 75 that was not from one of their members that they knew so they put their little flyer on of join course. our club you know it was cheap parts and a thriving social scene and all that sort of awfulness i mean stuff and um <laughs> and then i noticed under the wipers of some cars these flyers that in big letters at the top said are you gay and into classic cars and i thought do you know what I know I there am. are gay classic cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suddenly realised. I, I threw my wedding ring into the bushes and ran off with a bloke with an MG Maestro 1600. Smelling of leather. <laughs> and cordite. <laughs> Where that came from? Oh, oh, my God. Cordite? I didn't mean well, cordite, did I? Yeah, exactly. Corduroy. Corduroy. <laughs> anyway, but actually, I didn't mean corduroy as well. I meant velour. <laughs> How did the cordite go? How do you mix up nitrocellulose with... Anyway, anyway. So go on with the reaction. No, well, that's the thing, but I just saw this in the thing. Is I used to work with a guy who was gay and loved classic cars and mm-hmm. loved classic British cars. So obviously I don't the think two, the two things are mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. However, at this event, when there is still a very sort of beardy, pipe-smoky element, I just thought... Yeah, not really gay. I don't know. An interesting place to try and canvas... I didn't even read the rest of the flyer because I was so, like... Really? Are they trying that? What are you putting? They put it under the wiper of an MGB GT because the chances are that it is some beardy old no, chap. Like, Marjorie, he's questioning my sexuality again. <laughs> I tell you what, though, you know where they could hold this event, don't you? Go on, Gaden. Day. <laughs> You've been listening to Richard Porter. <laughs> Goodbye, Zog. Goodbye. I apologise for that joke. Oh my lord, <laughs> we're in trouble now. Usually, see ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site or follow us on Twitter, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>